This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts. Support for this podcast comes from Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision engineered tools for your family jewels. All right, guys, it's time to listen up. Does the thought of trimming your boys with one of those multi-blade razors scare the heck out of you? Because it should. Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. Their lawnmower 2.0 has proprietary skin-safe technology, so this trimmer won't nick or snag the family jewels. Manscaping accidents are finally a thing of the past, and they've also come up with a crop preserver, an anti-chafing deodorant and moisturizer that's perfect for those sensitive areas. So guys, right now you can get 20% off and free shipping with the code BIGHEADS at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code BIGHEADS. Always use the right tools for the job. Your boys will thank you. We are four friends in three states across two time zones with a shared passion. Welcome to the Sports Talk Garage Podcast, where we hit the fast lane to discuss our favorite drives, from the track in the ice to the court in the ball fields. We are four lifelong friends who grew up with a love of professional and collegiate sports. Today, we are bankers, investors, professors, and entrepreneurs, but our love of sports has never changed. Come listen for the fun, gain some insight, and probably a few laughs, as we give you our perspective on those last lap lead changes, game-winning scores, and franchise players. This is the Sports Talk Garage. Welcome, everyone, to Season 2, Episode 16 of the Sports Talk Garage Podcast. I'm John, here with my normal co-hosts, David and Matt. How's it going tonight, guys? Oh, quite well. Out of town at a work conference, so I was happy to take a little break from that, put my sports hat back on, and talk some fun stuff for a little bit. Matt, how about you? Oh man, what a what a weekend of sports! What a what a crazy weekend of sports! Got to see some really neat things happen. Some switches in college football, uh, NFL. Uh, I'll just say my entire fantasy team basically let me down this weekend, so that put me out of the playoffs. It's it's been a fun weekend, man. I'm <laughs> I'm excited to see what we've got in store for tonight. Yeah, I think. Um... Well, I'm glad the playoffs are two rounds in our league because I think David's going to beat me this week. Thankfully. Thankfully so. Good old Carolina Panthers players let me down like usual. So that's what I get. But, um, yeah, we'll talk about the Panthers later. And, yeah, it's it's a little crazy here in the Windy City. So if you guys hear any background noise, I think our building is literally swaying side to side in this insane wind that we're having. Buildings creaking and stuff. So apologies in advance for that. But. So uh, what you're saying is you're going to sleep well, really well, because it's kind of like, you know, like sway of the boat. boat when you're on a cruise. Yeah. Well, I usually get sick on a cruise, so <laughs> never mind. <laughs> yeah. You're going to be up all night. <laughs> Might be a rough night if this keeps up. <laughs> um, all right, guys. Well, let's throw the green flag and get to it. we got some dysfunction. we got some mediocrity. we got some expansion talk. Uh, let's start off with dysfunction because that's always fun to talk about. The New York Knicks. David, I know this is your bread and butter, the NBA. Um, tell us about what's going on with the, with the friggin' Knicks. And it's, what's going on is the same thing that's been going on for the last 20 years, pretty much. Just They have no idea what they're doing. So they just fired their head coach, Fisdale, uh, who should not have been fired. The Knicks have been trash, not just this season, but I mean – again, for 20 years. So he was pretty much a scapegoat, kind of like all the head coaches will for him. It stems from the top from James Dolan. Just to go over a couple quick numbers, over the last 20 years, 
The Knicks winning percentage is 0.414, which is the lowest in the NBA. Jeez. That's pretty bad. They've only won 672 games while losing close to 1,000. I guess I can Before, be thankful that the, Bull, the Bulls had a championship era there because theirs probably sure would did. be pretty similar to that if you take away uh, the 90s. <laughs> yeah, it, it would be pretty close. So before well, that, can I throw in a couple like the last couple games they've played, they've been blown out by about 30 points. Yeah, I mean, it just shows I mean, it it's just the coach's fault. It's just it's the whole team, it's the whole organization. But what's crazy is before James Dolan bought the team from 98 to 2001, they made the playoffs 14 straight years. Since he's bought the team, they've had one playoff win series. They can't sign free agents. Over the last 20 years, they've had 14 head coaches with six in just the last eight years alone. So they're still paying contracts of head coaches that have been coached for them for like two or three times now. They signed ridiculous contracts. And the big thing is, you know, it's Madison Square Garden. Everyone wants to come to New York City, play in the Big Apple. Most of the NBA superstars who are alive today weren't even alive when the Knicks were relevant. All they know of the Knicks are they suck. Why do I want to go play there? And the owner's more concerned about his little jazz band, JD, and the straight shot than he does care about you know, his <laughs> NBA team. And it's just pure dysfunction from the top down. He needs to sell. And what's really bad, not only does this affect you know the players, the office personnel, he has actually banned fans from entering the Madison Square Garden because they've yelled at him, because they told him he sucks, because they tell him to sell the team. So he's banned people from coming to games. You can't get much lower than that as an owner because it's your fan base. You have to have a fan base to survive. So just pure what's, dysfunction, top down. What's crazy is uh, like when you look at their attendance, if you look at just pure averages, they're actually ranked currently right now through, what's 13 games uh, in eighth. So they're averaging just over 19,000 um, a game, which is still pretty good, but granted it is New York. So if you look at percentage, though, they're only down at like they're well, which is still not terrible, but they're filling ninety five percent of of Madison Square Garden, which it's pretty good. I mean, it's not, you know, if you look at percentage wise, Mavericks, Trailblazers, Blazers, Celtics, Sixers, uh, Bucks, Spurs, Heat. You know, those guys are definitely at the top for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's a little crazy that they're in such dysfunction and they can't keep well. They can't keep a head coach, not by the head coach's choice, but, you know, they can't sign anyone. They've had multiple guys that have passed them over who went on to, to Brooklyn, you know, on the other side of, of mm-hmm. town. And, yeah, for some reason, the, the fans are still coming out, I guess the ones that aren't banned, at least. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's probably more of a social bit at this point. No one's really going to watch the game. They're just going to say, hey, I'm at a game, maybe. Or they might be going to see the opposing team. I mean, that would be the only reason I'd go see a Knicks game, see the visitors. Yeah, it's not a bad, not a not a bad take on that. I mean, so how do they fix this? They outside of selling the <laughs> well, team, which is probably for, the root cause of all these problems. Well, first of all, you can't fire a coach and then, as the president and GM, Steve Mills and Scott Perry, not show your face to the media to actually explain that, <laughs> or even just stand up and do it. You don't send your interim head coach. Onto the podium, I mean, it's just not—it's not done. Which you is, basically yeah. are the laughing stock of the NBA at this point. You are—I think David made a great point. Why do I, as a player, want to come play for you? You've already had mm-hmm. issues with Mello a couple years ago, and you know having his non-trade, and then basically getting uh, beat up by the coach at that point, and that was like an entire Twitter war. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and now to answer your question, John, what they're supposedly looking into is bringing in uh, Masai Ujiri to take over He's not, uh, he's as not president. Well, okay. So one interesting thing I was reading on Yahoo is they said the, the way to really lure him in is to give him quote unquote full autonomy. And one of the interesting things they also said was Phil Jackson was told he quote unquote had it, but he wasn't able to bring in people who pushed out, you know, some of the entrenched staff. Mm-hmm. So we're going back to those programs and times where, you know, we're letting certain people in and instead of doing what's best for the team, we're, we're, you know, too many roosters in the hen house. We're locking people in that have no business being there, whether they know what they're doing or not. I mean, it sounds great on paper that you're going to promise, you know, the new guy coming in full autonomy, you have power to make decisions as you seem, but this is an owner who just can't get out of his way and has to meddle in things. And another relevant guy like this is Jerry Jones with the Cowboys. He can't step back. They're the Cowboys of the NBA. He can't step back and let somebody else make a decision. He has to be involved and, Granted, he's a good businessman, but he's definitely not qualified to make oh, football decisions. And this is just the basketball version of that right now. Well, I'm going to ask you about that statement you just made here in a second, David, when okay. we change topics. But so, I mean, what's funny too, Matt, is the comment you said about the, the presser and them not showing their face. Didn't they have like a random weird presser a few weeks ago basically saying that their displeasure for the team and their disappointment in the team and things like that so they had no problem showing their face then but it's funny now that they they go hide in a <coughs> behind a rock somewhere yeah no accountability no trust in the organization i assume people are afraid to speak up out of fear of you know, losing their job but yeah well, well i think you they... said it's they either need to to sell this team off and, and, you know, completely change everything up or you just need to fire everybody straight up and figure out how you're going to get, I I don't even know what kind of organization, but you better start from scratch. And I mean, entirely. I mean, for a team that's worth $4 billion, like this might be, (laughs) I don't know what he paid for, but I imagine he's, uh, he could make some money if he was able to sell this thing, if anyone was willing to buy the super bank. I don't know, man. That's I'd take the money and the other things too is like clearly coaching's not the problem because they're going to continue to get blown out throughout the year. They can go through really any coaches they want right now, and they're going to get blown out. But if you think about it from a player standpoint, why are any of these guys going to risk their bodies to you know how many more games they got? We got another what seventy games, give or take, throughout the season. Why is anyone on that team going to? sprint up and down the court night after night after night, risk any injury, risk, you know, back injuries, whatever. When the team isn't going anywhere, there's like, they're, they're not even in a rebuild. Like they're in pure dysfunction. They're in their spiral mode right now, <laughs> at least in a rebuild, you know, there's light in the tunnel. These players know, you know there's, there's no guarantees of anything. None of them, you know, could be on this roster come, you know, 2021. So why would any of them give a crap? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I know there's the old ad, well, they're getting paid millions of dollars and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, in, in actuality, they still well, have to, to give a crap. <laughs> I, th- I think we covered some of that with how much they, you know, obviously don't sleep uh, from being on the road all the time. How much these guys are sat at different points to save their bodies. And like you said, even with the paying fans, like we, we kind of had that debate. And really what 
you know, what it comes back to me is uh, the reason I'm out there busting my rear end and playing is not right now that I'm getting paid, but I want out in order to get out. I better show some worth and then, you know, do it. A lot of these NFL and NBA stars that want out do trade me, trade me. Yeah. That's kind of my thought process. You go out there do your best, get some tape on, you know, their teams take notice like, Hey, that guy would be a good fit on our team. Let's get him. So maybe that's the ticket to get off the team, a trader when your contract expires. I mean, you're definitely not going to resign if you can help it. Well, all right, let's switch gears and go to a little bit of mediocrity, but maybe still a little bit of dysfunction. So this last week, your hometown boys, the Carolina Panthers, decided to fire longstanding coach Ron Rivera. Um, first off, I want to ask you two things. I get both of your opinions as Panther fans. One, was the firing justified? And two, what did you feel about the timing of the firing, being that we're you know still a quarter of the way left in the season? Gosh, justified. I, yeah, I, we got a new owner. This is his second year, and he's really big on you know winning, winning at all costs, and he's not going to stand for mediocrity. And he said something after he fired the coach that the Panthers have never had two winning seasons in right. a row. It's kind of crazy being 25 years in that they have not done that. And, you know, he's been there nine years, which he's a great guy. I, I love him as a person, but I don't know, maybe just some of his defensive philosophy. I don't know. It's not working. But a lot of the guys love him as a coach, but it just wasn't translating to wins on the field. So I think it was justified time to bring in a new regime. Timing, though, is a little crazy. I think he even expected to be fired at the end of the season. The only benefit i could see of doing this now is you get a little advance on looking at other candidates whether it's college nfl you kind of had that first thing of like hey we're reaching out to this guy before another team does that's the only benefit i can see of doing this now because i mean nobody in the organization i would feel would be promoted internally it's going to be an external candidate coming in yeah i don't think they have anyone in the books that will be capable of, of stepping up there i mean you know you got to a decent little offensive coordinator, but I don't know if I necessarily see him being a head coach candidate at this point in, no. in life. So, no. Well, okay. Matt, what do you think about this? What do you feel about the signing of all this? <laughs> I'm with David. I, I think that Riverboat was probably one of the best uh, all-around coaches that they've had. Um, I, I'm going to say he's the best coach they've had uh, as a head coach, uh, all in all, but I agree. He's got a very defensive mindset. And even though they've done some great things on offense, it's never truly consistent. Um, you know, whether that's the drafting we've done, you know, Kelvin Benjamin was such a loss after a number one draft pick and couldn't even come in, uh, in shape. Uh, you look at, you know, the offensive weapons that you've had, but it's been hard to keep a, a, I guess, a deep threat. So again, whether it's the the recruiting, how we're building the roster or getting tricky, because having Cam Newton, as much as I, you know, again, I, I think it's time to be done with Carolina uh, while we're cleaning house here. You know, I think that Rivera's really had a way of bringing the guys together, setting up some crazy plays with Cam, who who is a multi-threat quarterback, you know, I, I think that he's probably the best coach we've had. However, again, if you can't 
find some kind of consistency with back-to-back seasons after nine years. You, you've kind of had your time. Um, and honestly, if it's, uh, you know, if it's somebody in upper management that's causing that problem, then, you know, I don't know why he would want to be there for much longer. Um, uh, you know, I, I think might be the best thing for him. Uh, I think that you're talking to Tepper, who is a major uh, numbers guy as a hedge fund manager. Um, you know, he, he wants to read numbers. And he's not seen the numbers he likes, and he's probably going to trend toward an offensive mind. So, so I don't think it was great to get rid of him. I don't like the timing, but you know, maybe that gives Rivera more time to recoup for the end of the season and get back on the the hiring train when they have their major coaching uh, conferences this year. I mean, a lot of the things you guys mentioned. Like a lot of those, unfortunately, were outside of Rivera's control. And while I don't disagree with mm-hmm. the, with the firing, I, I'm not a. I, I still don't necessarily like the timing. Um, you know, because it wasn't just but a few weeks ago that you know you're still very much in the playoff hunt and had a little winning yeah. streak going. But you think, I mean, you're you're starting quarterback. You know, you're the guy you you spent a lot of money and a lot of you know, draft pick, a lot of money, a lot of time and investment on. He's been consistently hurt the last couple of years. You haven't had a quarterback really of any, any stature. Um, you've had Greg Olson with injury, injuries. You lost Josh Norman to the skins. Uh, uh, on the defensive side, you know, TDs has in, you know, recurring injuries. You've had Keekley with uh, uh, concussions and things like that. I mean, there's there's been a lot of – unfortunate things that have, that have happened to that team that may have an impact to some of those not being able to do back-to-back seasons. And unfortunately, it seems like a lot of those things are probably outside of, of Rivera's control. But David, you mentioned something a minute ago with the Knicks mm-hmm. and how, you know, you compared them to Jerry Jones. Is there a fear? Do you guys have any fear that Tepper is, is potentially Jerry Jones 2.0? I mean, you know, I know he's he's a Steelers guy, and he grew up watching football and blah blah blah, which we all did. But you know, just because I watched football my entire life doesn't mean that I'm qualified <laughs> to be making football operations decisions. Just because you know I know how to you know if, if he's a he knows how to make money, you know he he's, he plays the stock market well yeah. and things like that. But that doesn't that and watching football in the city of Pittsburgh don't exactly translate to being capable of having football operations. So is he Jerry Jones 2.0 now? Do you guys fear of that happening? I, I don't believe so. I've, I've read a lot from, you know, the Charlotte Observer, the Athletic, and some other media outlets. And one thing that's been consistent with Tupper throughout his professional life is he likes to hire people around him who are smarter than him at whatever area. And I feel like he's going to do the same thing now. He might not know – you know, all the X's and O's in this, but he's going to find a guy, whether it's on the business side, front office, or coaching, who knows what they're doing. He's going to hire them, pay them well, and get out of the way and say, I could say, produce results, or else I'll find somebody else who will. And I think as long as whoever he brings in is, you know, producing results that are positive, he's going to take a step back and just be happy with, you know, what's coming. I don't feel like he's going to be meddling in the day-to-day. I don't think he wants to do that. I just think he wants to have a good team around him to set them up for success. I I kind of agree with that as far as the part where, yeah, if, if you're getting W's, then I think he'll be hands off. 
but I also could see him at the first sign of any trouble, which is what you guys are going through now. You know, you had a little streak going there, and now you're hitting some adversity. I could see him almost being a guy that would make a brass decision and just fire a coach just to, you know, change things up. You know, he's he's already kind of in this little battle with, the uh, you know, the city of Charlotte, Mecklenburg County about, you know, funding. He's a new manager or excuse me, new owner, and he's mm-hmm. already talking about once this new stadium and, you know, he's going to play hardball with Charlotte about how he's going to get it or he'll move to South Carolina and blah, blah, blah. I could just see that being his mentality. If he looks at, the, at everything from an analytical standpoint, then – you know, if you don't have, if you're not looking at anything from a, a logical or, or, you know, having a little bit of, you know, a little bit of emotional tie to things, then you are at risk of making brass decisions and, and just, you know, saying, oh, well, well we're on a three-game losing streak. Time to, time to swap it out. So, <laughs> I don't know. I, that would be my fear if I was a Panthers. You know, I, he seems like, a, a, you know, he's bringing a lot of change to, to the city you know, it's supposed to be announced that sometime, I think, this week you guys are getting a Major League Soccer team finally. Uh, I know that Tepper's been a big push for that. Um, and who knows? Likely well, sure, that's another reason that he could – right, he could build that big stadium and do exactly what they're doing over in Europe, make it so you can do a quick switch out, um, you know, throw whatever you need in for soccer, and boom, boom, boom. Yeah, Share the field. Why not? Um, but if I can put in my two cents real quick, let's let's think – where he's at as you said he's he's putting his footprint on everything so just tell me what's the difference between doing that with your stadium and the tax situation from being in south carolina versus north carolina uh you know all those various things what what's the difference between doing that and putting your you know your footprint your um design around who works for you I mean, he'll certainly have his fingerprint on, you know, who he hires, but that's not, that has an impact on the actual production on the field where they actually play the game. Sure. That impacts the fans of, you know, traveling back and forth, but that's not going to have a bearing on, you know, whether the team wins or loses on a Sunday. Correct. So, but we're, we're just talking about him as, as the owner. What, what, my question is, what's the difference between, you know, what he's doing, I, I guess in, in all my brain just says, He's doing his thing and bringing in his people to what he thinks can be successful. And the only thing I have, a com- uh, I guess, mm-hmm. against what John was thinking is he can't go in and just fire somebody when things get a little cold because of that contract. Now, if he lines, lines a coach up for a year or two contract and reevaluate and wants to pay that, that's one thing. But he's not going to line up a five-year contract with some coach or a four-year contract and then uh, you know, fire him after year one. He could, but again, businessman, business numbers. Yeah, but again, what's stopping yeah. him? He's a billionaire. I mean, coaches' contracts are – that's a drop in the dime for him. So to have to pay a guy out a couple of years on a contract, let's see he signs a four-year deal and he has to pay out a couple. I mean, yeah, businessman, you don't want to do that um, well, you know, that's, time and time right, again. That's... But he talked about that in like when you watch that, like the Amazon uh, All or Nothing series. You know, they did a, they spent a lot of time with him being you know brand new owner, and he talked mm-hmm. about like his willingness to take risk and his willingness to take a loss and things like that. And you know, he he if he applies a stock market mentality to the coaching world or to the or to the football world in general then he's going to be willing to take some big chances on some risky things. And he's also going to be willing to pull out 
abruptly when he feels like, yeah. hey, I don't really like the way this looks. Sure, but he's also well, he's also a brand new owner, and the owners are not going to sit there and. I mean, they're gonna. He he become the laughing stock when he shows up at those meetings. Like, hey, how many are you gonna fire this year? I mean, that you don't want that on yourself. You have to play some of the numbers and give yourself a chance to let things work. Now, again, two, three, four years, no, but you're, you're certainly not gonna. Hopefully, bring in somebody for a year and cut them because they have to put in their entire offense, their entire defense, their staff. Which can go Tepper quick would, or can take time. Tepper would probably look at them and, and throw the, the three fingers salute and say, "Read between the lines and, and my twelve <laughs> my twelve billion dollar bank account." <laughs> it, it does help when you have the second richest owner in professional sports. Right. So sure, I guess he can afford to do it, and it doesn't hurt him. For us, we're like, "What?" Well, so he's so getting a slightly back on topic because I kind of took us down a rabbit trail there with Tepper, <laughs> but. And again, I I think he's it's a positive thing. I think you guys needed a change there, you know. I think the old regime, you know, still I still remember the days of you know, Jerry Richardson calling players in and telling them that you know they're not allowed to get tattoos and things like that. I mean, just that old school mm-hmm. mentality, and then everything that came out afterwards, you're like, yeah, that makes sense. Um, but <laughs> going back to the coaching search, so obviously, you know, regardless of the time here, and I disagree or disagree, they've obviously now got to find a coach. Tepper said that he's not really interested in finding someone out of the college ranks, although he won't completely eliminate it, but he said that's certainly not his first choice. And he also said that if you look, again, analytics, then he says it's becoming more of an offensive coach's league is what this the analytics are telling him. So there are a couple of big uh, defensive-minded coaches that are out there that are primed for, for head coaching. You know, you look at 49ers and things like that, that really had a massive turnaround there. But of the guys that have been thrown out there, the McCarthys, the Josh McDaniels, those guys, um, who do you guys see as being that next choice? Or who do you – maybe who do you personally want to see as a fan of the organization? Gosh, well, as we are certainly moving away from that ground-and-pound mentality and just air it out, high-scoring, big numbers. And, yeah, analytics are important. That's certainly going to take a big, you know, evaluation – for him and who he hires, I have a feeling he's probably going to be an offensive coordinator. I actually wouldn't mind seeing Kevin Stefanski, uh, Stefanski from the Vikings. I think he would be a wonderful fit. He really lines up with Tepper's mentality of what he's looking for. He's, he's a really good leader. He's a young guy, which is kind of my fear. It's kind of like that Sean McVay, which is my only fear with that, but I think he could turn out to be really well. Yeah. You guys, I mean, you guys were talking crap about Matt Nagy last week. So (laughs) Because yeah. of his his youngness and his his McVeigh yeah. connections, so yeah, I mean, dude, you it, were you were talking crap. Oh, what was it a few weeks ago? Matt I still am. <laughs> <laughs> Trust me, even in a win against the Cowboys, I still found things I disliked about that uh, some of the play calling. Although it looks like he finally has slightly pulled his head out of his rear, uh, not completely, and we're maybe up to like. I don't know, ear level at this point, <laughs> but we're still in there. But yeah, I mean, the Vikings is, that's an interesting comparison because obviously Dalvin Cook and, you know, you guys have McCaffrey that's, uh, you know, a very running back centered type very offense. Um, and honestly, the Vikings really don't have that good of a quarterback, which is a fairly similar situation to what you find yourself in right now as well. <laughs> 
I don't know. I mean, that's, that is an interesting uh, situation. And um, I think he was, was he a candidate with the Browns last year as well? I think for, I believe he was. So I believe he interviewed for that 37. I mean, that's the thing though. The league is, whether we like it or not, the league is going to young offensive coaches and, you know, mm-hmm. eventually that may blow up and we'll start hiring 70-year-old defensive coordinators again. But at the moment, yeah, I would not be shocked if uh, if he's on, you know, the top one or two out there. Um, Matt, anyone coming to mind, like either college or pro level that you've had on your mind or you've got some interest in? I, I'm going to stay in the professional world because I think college is its own animal you know, it's always that step up and, and this is like the cream of the crop guys. So you've, you can really have some issues, lining some stuff up. I really like what Greg Roman is doing in Baltimore. Mm, the Ravens. Well, let's talk about this. So at least for how we're set up right now, uh, they, they have a, they have a ground and pound game. They've got two running backs or two quarterbacks that can run the ball. Uh, a, sorry, two quarterbacks run the ball, a couple running backs that can run the ball. They've got an offensive line that can block just about any way they need to, uh, you know, and they can throw the ball. The Panthers need to update their offensive line. Again, we need a deep threat guy. Um, but I think we have a lot of those tools. And the way that he has set up almost a college-style game plan between the pistol and full, uh, full house offense, I, he's really – forcing defenses to go back to to staying home and really playing keys. You can't get lazy and and you know just do a man on one side and you know try to run it out of a cover one or cover two. You, you have to play against the run. And that's what's opening up those holes with play action and uh you know we've got a lot of quarterbacks that like to run now and I think you've got a couple coming up next year that are uh, going to have that potential. Uh, especially if we don't keep Cam. So I, I like what he's done. I think he's done a lot with just kind of spreading it out a little bit. Uh, it's just making it different. He's working with what he has. So I'm right, going to say one more thing. That was my realistic head coach, my dream head coach, which is going to be a little bit of reach, would be Mike Tomlin from the Steelers. He's only 47 the whole Steelers dynasty is, you know, slowly fading away. Big Ben may not be coming back after a year or so. It might be time to change directions. I know he's been there, it seems like, forever. But I think he would be a wonderful fit. And obviously, you know, he knows Tepper from Tepper being, you know, a minority owner with the Steelers for a long time. So there is that connection there. But, man, if he would somehow leave or get fired, which he wouldn't get fired, that would be a perfect fit. Their question that before be... we move on real fast, like 30 seconds. How do you guys feel that how how is Cam Newton going to play into this? You know, they they came out this week that they could be looking to trade him. That could just be a little debate talk. Um, you know, who knows if there's any partners? Who knows what they really do? Cam's getting surgery, what, this week or next? Uh, expected to be back in. Uh, he had it. Is it. Did he have it this week? It was today. He okay. had it today, actually. So, Ten yeah, weeks or day. so of recovery is plenty of time to evaluate him and see what's what's really going on and what if he could actually be, you know, a decent threat. If he sticks around, I mean, well, either way, I think if he sticks around, that's one type of head coach. If you're looking into drafting a guy, then I feel like that could be potentially a whole different head coach. And then you don't want to, you know, the problem is you 
you got to, I think you want to get a guy hired relatively quick, uh, which is a little bit difficult, mm-hmm. especially like at the Vikings, you know, if they make the playoffs, you got that, that it kind of closes your window there for a little while. Um, 49ers, same thing. If he, if he decides to go defensive side of things, Baltimore, same thing. You got a lot of guys that are, that are heading to the playoffs soon. And if you don't make a decision quickly, then whoever that is may not actually be involved in the decision whether uh, what you do with Cam Newton and kind of what direction you're going to go into. Because, yeah, I mean, you got a while before the you know, season starts next year and before draft boards and all that stuff goes. But a lot of these things are playing well in advance and kind of how you're starting to put your chess pieces out there. Yeah. So you, I feel like you got to you want to make something done and get it done quickly so that way you can have the guy come in here and start having some influence on those decisions. Which is probably going back to why he was fired, you know, four weeks before the end of the season. Go ahead and start that process to be, you know, first team in line to start yeah, talking to points. Point. So moving on real fast. Um, obviously, we just had our the college football playoffs just announced. Um, no real surprises, I don't think, on the on the top four they picked there. So it always comes up every year, and it's it's the kind of the age old debate. You know, we always we wanted to play off, we wanted to play off, wanted to play off. We finally got it. And then we say, well, we like that, but we kind of <laughs> want more. You know, it's uh, it's not a perfect system. You know, there's been years where we feel like, oh, this team should have gotten in or this one shouldn't. So do you guys think that the, the college football playoffs should be expanded out to eight teams and, and double its current size? Now, what do you think? Yeah, you have to. The, you know, I think we waited long enough to get a football playoff series and say who's the best in the nation instead of just throwing everybody into bowl games. And, uh, you know, I think that's all about – it's still all about sponsors, but it was a really big about the sponsors thing when it was just which bowl game are you in? What's the most noted one? Well, who cares which one's the most noted one? Who are the good matchups? So now we've got the playoffs. So you take a look at you got the top four. I mean, look what happened this weekend. You've got number one in the nation getting bumped down to number two. And really, in all honesty, especially as an Ohio State fan, all we wanted to see was not Clemson. Because Clemson's a power-hungry team that walks in. I'll get my side over and I'll shut up. But they're a power-hungry team that haven't really had to play anybody, so now they get to come out full force against a team that's been playing against Big Ten uh, national title contenders all season. Tough games. And Clemson hasn't had as, as big of a schedule, but they're still undefeated. Um, you know, and you see those kind of bouncing around and now we go back, you know, last year it was the UCF games, you know, they're undefeated. Uh, I think it was Auburn last year, the year before that, uh, you know, wipe, wipe the slate clean on the teams that they played in the, in the bowl games. So, you know, I've always thought you need to extend it out to, to eight. You're adding a couple extra weeks onto the season. Uh, it'll give the top two a buy, uh, into the tournament, but it also, uh, allows, I think, all of the major conferences to put a team in versus just, you know, trying to earn it through the, you know, through the poll system. I mean, do you think, though, that, like, I get what you're saying there, but so last year, I think it, a lot, it made sense. You know, there was a lot of issues last year. Um, you know, the first couple made sense, you know, Bama and Clemson. I think Notre Dame was a big question last year at 12-1. <laughs> That's a big head scratcher. Um, you know, Georgia made sense. Oklahoma kind of made sense, but considering the losses of Notre Dame and, and Georgia, Oklahoma, I think made sense in that. Um, but then, you, you know, 
like obviously you have the, the you know UCF and like you mentioned a minute ago at twelve and one last year versus you know with a, a Michigan at at ten and three that was actually ranked ahead of them you know because of strength of schedule and things like that. So it kind of made sense last year. Like there was enough teams that lost multiple games that it was like okay, we really don't have it's not a perfect conclusion about who should actually be in there. This year I feel like. It's a little bit more cut and dry. I mean, the you got three undefeated teams and a and a twelve and one team. Georgia, I think, could probably be maybe the closest to like have a, a potential say in that top four. But then the way that the SEC championship game went on, you know, I think that was a kind of a real black eye on their their season. So it's like this is the first year I think that I can remember where I'm like, yeah, I don't know if we really need it this year, but I agree. Every other year, it seems like there's always been, I don't think eight, but I, there's always been a, probably at least two more teams that I'm like, yeah, I feel like those guys should have had a shot. Yeah, so my take definitely needs to go to eight and a couple of reasons. I would like to see either one of these two setups here have each conference winner from the Power Five conferences and three at-large bids, or each of the Power Five conference winners two at-large bids, and then the top G5, or group of five, come in for the eight. So I think this would also help add a little more intrigue to the season. So right now, if a no major powerhouse loses a game early in the season, they're already at one loss, like, oh, our chances might be shot. But if there's eight teams and you have some at-large bids, they're still going to play harder. Thing, you know, we still have a chance to get to the playoffs. I think every team who does lose early will still – you know, provide fans a little more excitement on game knowing that they still have a chance to make it there. And something that's really crazy to me. So in the last year, 17 NFL draft picks skipped bowl games out of whatever random right. bowl that they were slated to go to. No one has ever skipped a college football playoff game because they know it's the big stage. So they're not going to skip those. So the more teams you have in there, the more NFL talent, you know, fans get to see, NFL scouts get to see. It's going to help with rankings, going to help some people, you know, move up the draft board. And also, these bowl games, the college football playoff games, are watched by millions of people. Everybody tunes in. Even if you're not a fan of the team, I'm still tuning in to watch them, and I don't really like any of the four teams here. So well, let I'll me, take that back. I let do, me ask but... you this, too. Yep. Who, what, what part of the country haven't we seen in these? Well, the Pac-12, uh-huh. really. The West. We haven't seen yep. anybody in the West really make a run. We thought Oregon was going to be it this no. year and you know, maybe sneak into that four spot until they had that second loss. And then they walked into, you know, into play Utah and wiped the floor with them. So, yeah, so I mean, you've got to open the door to like the that. West also, to again get that extra set of different different coaching styles, guys that you know are local out there, and that's why I play. I mean, we're just we're not seeing them right now in a playoff stance, and I'm not saying that they're necessarily worthy as much as. It also not only gives them the experience, but it also opens the doors to a lot of things, whether it's uh, sponsorships to uh, people that are TV markets right would be big people that are fans that I mean, I live in Ohio and I'm seeing, you know, Oregon Duck fans and uh, you, uh, what not you, Cal, uh, any of these California teams show up, Nevada, you just see them in random places, but you're not going to see them in the playoffs. No. And one thing that's great with March Madness is we love that Cinderella story, that team that's probably not the best, but they come from behind and make it pretty far. It'd be cool to see one of these at-large teams, you know, that might not be a top four team, but still 
know, any given Saturday, <laughs> they might win and they might make it to the Oh, you know, game. Vegas would love really that. Cool to see and fans would tune in. Yeah. yeah. The only, my only fear is if you, if you guarantee, you know, a, a spot for these power conferences and I fear like strength of schedule might, might depreciate a little bit because, you know, it's like, all right, let's just play some scrum teams, get through our conference, fill the rest of it with scrums <laughs> and make sure we stay healthy because, you know, if we, if we have a good chance of winning the conference, then, you know, we, we know we're, we're set for the playoffs and we can be nice and healthy, but, you know, Matt, you mentioned earlier about like Ohio State and Clemson. I just going right back to that real fast. I think honestly, yeah, Oklahoma may have been the better bid for you guys, but because of what you said, Clemson's not really been that tested. Honest, you know, you guys have been battle tested. If if I was a coach of either one of those teams, I would much rather be the battle tested team. Yeah, I mean, we might be beat up a little bit, but I'd much rather have a season where we played and overcome than a season where you know, going into a playoffs and we really haven't been challenged. So that'll be sure. interesting to see. But, yeah, I, I, I agree with the 18 <laughs> playoff. If we can just okay, – I don't know if anyone's listening from the bowl committees out there, but can we get a freaking bowl game on New Year's Eve? I mean, I, I always thought about That'd this. Cool. Like, everybody gets together. They all, like, you know, we all go out to, to restaurants or bars or something like that, and <laughs> there's not jack crap on. But if you put a friggin' primary bowl game on and maybe have an end since, say, I don't know, 10, 30, 11 o'clock, somewhere in there, so you can still enjoy your New Year's, you know, festivities after the game, I still understand why nobody do it because it'd be, it's the only thing on TV. It'd be the only sporting event on TV at that time slot. So, anyways. My two cents. Hope you guys are listening to that. Maybe uh, give me a shout out when you make that decision. One That's day. because <laughs> nobody would go to New York to sit outside and, uh, you know, be there in the cold so that they can tape all that. All the guys would be inside the bars watching the game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I sure as heck would. But anyways, all right, guys, so let's take a quick break and we'll come back, talk about some of our prediction games from last week. And then let's see what our producer has in store for this coming week. So we'll be right back. Welcome back, everyone, to Season 2, Episode 16 of the Sports Talk Garage. And I'm John, here with Matt and Chris. Before we get into our predictions, David, why don't you tell everyone where they can find us on social media? Great. So we are on Twitter and now have a good Facebook page growing as well. So make sure you find us at Sports Garage Pod on each of those. Uh, Also, our website, sportstalkgarage.com. And then email address, feedback at sportstalkgarage.com. Uh, we'll be happy to interact and engage with you, answer questions. If you have topics you're interested in, please let us know. And we'd love to get those on the show at some point. Thanks, David. All right, so prediction recap, week 15, Georgia Bulldogs at LSU. We talked about this a little bit. LSU was favored by six and a half points, ended up winning by a stunning 27 <laughs> points. Ouch. Shockingly, I figured somebody – Matt, a.k.a. Uh, was no opposite. <laughs> everybody went LSU, and everybody wins on this one. So congrats to us all. Um, second, Baylor Bears at Oklahoma Sooners. This was a nail-biter. I wish I could have seen more than just the last little bit of it. Uh, Oklahoma was favored by nine and a half. Sooners, in, um, well, fortunately for them, unfortunately for uh, David and I, Sooners only won by seven. So Chris and Matt, the game went into overtime. And I knew our fate was sealed, David. So, I Chris, was, that point, I think I sent – didn't I send a text out, like, overtime? Well, we yeah. win. <laughs> we yep. got a point this Can't week. Can't get more than Can't seven in overtime. 
Um, Ohio State Buckeyes at Wisconsin Badgers. The over-under on this one was 53.5. It was closer than I thought it was going to be, guys. Honestly. Uh, I figured Ohio State was going to get uh, 53 points by themselves. <laughs> but final one up being 55 combined points. So, Chris, David, and myself, Matt, you went against your boys I, there, kind of, man. Dude, no, it's a point spread. I told you this was going to be a tougher game. I told you I should get a half a point just for, like, no. calling that out because no. they barely got it. Oh, whatever. You're just mad. Four shoes and hand grenades, my friend. Four shoes <laughs> and hand grenades. <laughs> All right. And then San Francisco 49ers at New Orleans Saints. I don't know if either team had a defense that showed up this particular week. Saints were favored by three. This... 49ers ended up winning by two. Ooh. So the winner of this one was myself, Matt, and and Chris, Man. David, unfortunately. You went close. the opposite direction. Yeah, I did. This one actually has an interesting stat, uh, a little fun fact. David, why don't you fill us in on this one? <laughs> yeah, so this game, 49ers at Saints, which was played this last Sunday, the 8th, uh, was unique in a couple ways. First, it's called a super underbuster, which I actually had to look up the term when I read it today. Uh, pretty much both teams that covered or busted the over-under by themselves. So the over-under was set at 45, and the 49ers won 48-46. So both teams met that 45 Jeez. mark. And this is also the first time in 11 years in the regular season with a super underbuster. Separately, the final score of 48-46 was a new addition to the NFL scoregami. So it's the first time in NFL history that score has ever been recorded in a game, which this is 100th year of the NFL. So that's a lot of games to go without ever getting the score of 48-46 until Sunday. How is that possible? I Never happened before. Never happened. Because back in the day, they didn't used to score a ton of points. <laughs> well, yeah, they ran the ball every single play. Mm. But still, wow. Unbelievable. That's hmm. crazy, though. All right. I wonder how many scores below that have never been recorded either. That would be an interesting I'll, stat to I'll challenge find you somewhere. to look that one up for next week, David. <laughs> the stat man over there. So, to recap the standings for week 15, Chris uh, followed up. He, he pulled a map and went 4-0 this week. David at <laughs> two and two, myself at three one, Matt three ones. So overall, let's see, Matt, you're still leading at thirty four twenty seven and one, followed by Chris thirty three twenty eight and one, myself thirty two twenty nine and one, and David, who was not oh. that long ago up on top, he is now. No. Uh, let's see, what are you thirty thirty twenty three and one? Hmm. No, yeah, that is way off. Right? Right. Probably 30, <laughs> yeah, 31. I, like, I like the 23 number better. You yeah. skipped a few weeks. <laughs> I was like, wait, I'm sitting there doing the math. There, the and I'm like, yeah, that doesn't sound right. All right. He, he so, chose the yeah, games that he, 30, that he lost at. <laughs> so, how the times have turned, guys. Into week 16. First game we got here. This is going to be interesting. Old classic game here college football, Army versus Navy. One of the best games of the year. Navy's currently favored by ten and a half points. It's going to be at three p.m. in Philadelphia. Matt, who are you taking on this one? Oh, I'm really excited about this. Uh, let's see. So we're we're looking at one of the old histories, you know, between the military groups here. I I'm going to go with Navy on this one. I you know back when uh, a guy I knew was coaching Army, I you know I would have gone that route, but uh, this time I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Navy. All right. Dave, what about you? So, Navy's definitely had the better year compared to Army. <laughs> uh, and it seems easy 
but I feel like ten and a half is a lot, so I'm going to go Army. Yeah, I'm going to go with you on this one, David. I feel like these two teams always show up and have a great competition with each other, a little bit mm-hmm. of uh, rivalry and and uh, friendly competition between soldiers. So I'm going to. We go need Army to go back well. and find that episode because I talked about the Army Navy game where they exchange prisoners basically, and they have to stay on the sidelines with. The opposite team or something like that. It was a really neat uh, piece of history I didn't know about. It's an old tradition for sure. And then uh, Chris is going to take Navy. So we're split two and two on this one. Should be interesting on Saturday. Moving on to the NFL, who will cover? Uh, My Bears at seven and six. I got to go up to uh, the dumpster that is Lambeau Field at 10 and three for round two, (laughs) Sunday at one o'clock Eastern on five. Packers are currently favored no by 4.5 points. Uh, David, who are you picking on this one? So I'm going Packers. Aaron Rodgers didn't have the best game this past Sunday, and he rarely has two bad games in a row. So I think Packers are going to be the way to go. All right. Oh, now, what about man. you? You're, you're putting this in the ice bowl, and it's – oh, shoot. Uh, the two teams that love being covered in ice, only one missing out of there is Minnesota. Um, but they play indoor. So uh, I kind of have to agree with David on this one. I, I really want to say the Bears. I just I can't. Their defense, I don't know, is going to cover enough to stop the Packers if they have a good game. So I'm going to say Packers. All right. So Chris is going to That spread's Packers too small. Well. And the Packers will probably win, but it'll be a cold day in hell before I ever pick anything with the Packers. Yet. So I'm pretty sure Chris picks these games because he knows that uh, guarantees that he's gonna know which way I'm leaning. So uh, there's that emotional yeah. pick. So I'm going bear down, baby. Let's go get it. You know, if the Bears win out, they're still in the playoffs. So I gotta, are gotta you, show up on are, Sunday. Three game winning streak. Gotta ride in. Are you driving up to Lambeau? <laughs> Uh, if I had cheese. a car in six hours to drive up there, I would. <laughs> and tickets were actually right. available. Yeah, eh, you could always find stuff on StubHub. Considering <laughs> the amount of money that I'd pay for Bears Packers in in Chicago, Lambo would probably be a, a nice discount. So, mm. <laughs> uh, moving on, Bills nine and four at Steelers eight and five Sunday night on NBC. Steelers are currently favored by two. Uh, our producer is going to go with the Steelers on this one. Uh, Matt, what are you thinking? Nope. Bills played really well against Lamar Jackson and the Ravens, who have been, you know, one of the top leaders in the country by far. I'm going to say Bills. All right. Dave, what about you? I don't, even with how much Tomlin's done, no way. So I'm going up. So I'm going Steelers. You know, the Bills. Yeah, they're they're doing very well. Their defense is holding up. You know, they got a great quarterback with Josh Allen. But the Steelers, they've gone through adversity and they're still eight five and they're playing very well. They're playing at home and they're I feel like they're a much better team at home than on the road. So we'll see. All right. terrible towels flying around. You get lost in the uh lost in the yellow. <laughs> and I'm gonna go uh Matt, I'm gonna ride with you on this one. I'm gonna go Bills. I think um you know, they don't have a rich playoff history in the last couple of decades. They've been getting in a couple of times. I think they're still very much in the hunt for that wild card. And, um, you know, they've suddenly started to, to put some stuff together up there in Buffalo. So, 
you know, Hinesville is a tough place to play. It's probably going to be cold, but, you know, Buffalo, the Bills will be well used to any kind of cold weather. So, and a two-point spread is basically just an even game. So, I'm going Bills with you on that one. Um, all right, last one, guys. This one's an interesting one, a new one from our producer. Who will have more combined rushing and passing yards this week? Lamar Jackson at, or I believe, I think he's at the Jets, if not mistaken, or Russell Wilson versus Carolina. David, who are you picking? You going home, kind of hometown here? Yeah. I don't know how you feel that. Against hometown? Gosh, so Lamar Jackson just tied Michael Vick as the second quarterback to ever get a 1,000 yards in rushing in a season. I mean, he's been doing it all season, but I think he's also a little injured. And Carolina's defense, you know, they can't stop the run right now at all. So anytime Russell Wilson breaks down the pocket, he's easily getting yards. So I'm going Russell Wilson. All right. Matt, what are you thinking? No, man, Jackson. Lamar Jackson all day. That that kid has been a stud at that position since last year. Uh, he's got – I think I already talked about it tonight. He's already got a better uh, offensive line this year. They've got a great call, play caller, Lamar Jackson. He has yet to – uh, you know, yet to underperform. All right. Chris is, uh, let's see, who is Chris going? Chris, I lost, I lost Chris's. He's, he is going with Russell he, as well. He picked against Carolina. Don't be surprised. <laughs> the, the cheesy defense. Yeah. I mean, if you guys weren't in Swiss. give up mode, I, I would thinking <laughs> that the Jets would be better, but I don't know. Matt, who'd you pick again? I went with Lamar. Lamar yeah. by far. His mom will be in the stands. Man, Lamar. We're, gonna, we're all going to be – keep in mind, he's also injured. Yeah. This Jets. Man, but Carolina's <laughs> in give-up mood. Yeah, screw it. I'm going to go Russell Wilson. He's on my fans. I need him to have a incredible <laughs> week so I can – Come back and beat David. Ooh, that would hurt so, me too. Ooh, yeah, no, not hopefully Carolina will just lay over and play dead like a possum and and let him just ride. Into Dude, the there's playoffs. there's no more tank for Tua. Tua's gone. <laughs> nothing wrong. I mean, nothing against kid. He's out. So we're we're not laying over for everything. God, I hope. <laughs> Although that Atlanta game was a nightmare. Yeah, and Atlanta's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, uh, let's sort of check your flag. Any final thoughts, Matt? What about you? What's going on this week? Oh, this week, uh, you know, I think Christmas is kind of starting to happen with multiple families and, you know, business parties and all that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, ugly sweater Christmas parties. So, you know, I've got a couple things going on this weekend. Uh, you know, just got to make it through the week to get there, have some fun, uh, you know, people start catching up with as you start, you know, making merry around the office and getting to visit. So, yeah, just just a lot of pre-Christmas, I guess, events coming up. And, of course, uh, you know, some good sports going on. So, you know, it, it's a good week. Nice. Dave, what about you? Well, I got uh, two things tonight. So, Eli Drinkwitz, App State head coach for only one season, is going to Missouri, which is kind of crazy. Is he really? He's going from a 750 750- thousand a year he'll pay to about four million a year which is ridiculous wow. so almost 500 percent increase what's crazy is he went 12 and one he won the sun belt he beat school and conference records for winning 12 victories beat unc and usc 
got the school up to number 20 in the AP poll. And the crazy thing is, he did it with Scott Satterfield. Right. Guys. It wasn't even his own guy. That's why I'm impressed. So he's taken that running to Missouri, but I would too if I'm going from 750K to uh, 4 million. Yeah. That's hard to turn down. Yeah. Another right. thing, my Liberty Flames men's basketball team, um, 11 and 0, one of the eight undefeated teams in the nation. Only two teams are 10 and 0. So props to them for still being undefeated. And how about Liberty uh-huh. Flames going to the bowl game? Going to a bowl game down to Orlando in two Saturdays, playing Georgia Southern. So that'll be fun. I'll be tuning Saw in something online about some ticket packages down there. So I'm sure a lot of, <laughs> a lot of uh, current and and uh, alumni of of Liberty University um, will be making the travel. And obviously, if you guys haven't checked out our last episode, we've got a pretty special guest from from Liberty. So I, I highly suggest you check that out. A lot of great information in the world of sports uh, and the world of an athletic director. So. Um, always be sure to check out episode 15 if you haven't done so as well. Um, and yeah, for myself, uh, crazy week. I'm sure just getting ready to get things wrapped up before travel, but, uh, let's see. Race is kind of wrapped up. Got some uh, review episode on the other podcast that's coming up. Looking forward to that, but really is out of it. I'm probably watching a lot of, uh, football, this football this week, you know, my Tottenham Spurs finally uh, getting a little mojo back, won five nothing the other night. So looking forward to maybe some bigger and better things after a dismal season so far. But uh, all right, guys. Well, let's. Hey, uh, I got a, I got a quick, quick, fun thing for you. Let's, let's try this. Uh, David probably already knows the answer. So a little trivia question for you, John, and, and you can answer next week on our, on our next podcast. So who is the only. Uh, player that's been inducted into the NFL Hall of Fame that gave his pads over to be part of the Hall and had to take them back mm. out again. I do know this. Mm. You can answer I, this one next week. Yeah, no, no, this is John. Because you, week. I know you know, because you okay. and I were both sitting there for it. I do. <laughs> I remember you guys. Mentioning this when you uh you took your trip up there, yeah, I'll have to figure yep. that one out. Remind me of next week. Yep, that'd be we'll a do. good trivia question. All right, guys, well let's call it a night. Uh, it's been fun, and uh, we'll chat with you guys next week. Awesome, look forward to it. Later. Night. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you'd like to have your sports-related question or comment featured on the show please email us at sportstalkgarage at gmail.com. Also, if you want to keep up to date with us outside of the show, please follow us on Twitter at sportsgaragepod. If you enjoy the show, please drop us a five-star review and subscribe if you want to hear more. So for Chris back in the studio, David and Matt, I'm John, and we are the Sports Talk Garage. Welcome into episode two. Or screw <laughs> <Hear> that up. <laughs> All right, <laughs> Starting Cut over. One.